0: Max him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Two to Locked on Bucks. I am your host Cain Pittman here. On a Tuesday afternoon, I was going to go down the path of Zach Lowe. I don't know whether many of the listeners listen to the Lowe post, but where he says he's from recording from an undisclosed location somewhere. Um, but I am at the 97.3 The Game Studios. I did the 9 to 12 shift this morning. And now I've just wrapped up two to three with friend of the podcast radio voice of the Bucks since the 90s, Ted Davis. We talked plenty of Bucks today after the Bucks beat the Kings last night for win number 46. For those that did listen to the podcast last night, you know that I am heading to Indy tonight, most importantly to see the Bucs, but secondly, a very close second to try out Broncos pizza um, and hopefully just get to Indiana in one piece this time. That's really what I'm hoping for. I still have to go home and pack, throw some things in a bag. So this podcast might be a little shorter than usual. And just a quick note on Frank. I didn't know this. He threw this at me after we finished recording yesterday. He's actually going on a cruise tomorrow. I don't know. I can't even remember where he said he was going, but he's going to be out until Monday. So hopefully Frank stays safe on the waters with his family, but he deserves it. He works hard. So he's getting away for a couple of days. So uh, I will have a guest on to recap the Pacers game from Indiana uh, tomorrow night, from Indianapolis tomorrow night, where the, the Bucks and the Pacers, and I am going to talk about that game in a little bit just here. But I do want to get to something, a topic that a listener asked. Dave Colin has asked this question, and I appreciate it, because he said, I don't think you talked about this on the pod yet, so I'm just going to keep suggesting it. Now, that tells me that he's probably tweeted this at me multiple times, and unintentionally, I haven't got to it, so today's the day. We've got a little bit of time here, and I think on the back of that win last night against Sacramento, this question probably, it's a fitting time to get to this. So he, he asked, if the Bucs had a standard starting PF instead of Giannis. So that's basically any guy starting at the four that isn't the best basketball player in the world. Do Bledsoe and Middleton make the playoffs? What about Lopez? How good is that team? We went through some of these numbers last night with Frank after, after the win over Sacramento, but Milwaukee now 5-0 and in games without Giannis this season. The average winning margin, 16.8 points. You have to take into account the fact that they haven't played great teams. So let's run through the results so far. New Orleans, plus 15 points. Atlanta, plus 26. Orlando, plus 11. Washington, plus 20. And last night, Sacramento, plus 12. So every single game has been double digits. Admittedly, those teams are not good. And when you when you look at the standings for these teams that they have beat, so uh, obviously Atlanta in the 14th spot in the East, 15 and 40. Orlando are a playoff team, which is interesting. Uh, they picked up that win. By the way, that game, they also didn't have Eric Bledsoe. So no Giannis, no Bledsoe. They still win by double digits there, but the Magic's still under 500, 23 uh, and, and 31. Uh, the Pelicans, another one of those teams that they beat, 22 and 31, nine games under 500. The Sacramento last night, 21 and 32. And the other team was Washington. Let me flip back to the East here. Washington, uh, 18 and 33. So uh, all those teams are really bad. So uh, I think that's worth noting at first. But I saw a pretty good tweet today from Zach Cram from The Ringer. I'm sure some of you people uh, saw this one already today. But here's the numbers for Chris Middleton, who we're we're almost praising on a daily basis now, which I probably wouldn't have predicted was going to be the case. I think everyone that listens knows I've been a supporter of Chris Middleton for a while, but uh, what he's doing this year is just next level. Now, uh, Zach Cram has tweeted out, start of the day, number 113, he does these every day. Chris Middleton's stats without Giannis on the floor this season. So this doesn't necessarily mean that Giannis isn't playing. It just means when Chris Middleton is on the floor without Giannis, Middleton is averaging 32 points, nine rebounds and six assists per 36 minutes. 50-40, 94 shooting splits. His usage goes right up to 32% in those uh, minutes, which uh, you know, shouldn't be a surprise. He's going to be the guy with the ball in his hands more than anyone if Giannis isn't on the floor. He's got a plus 11.9 net rating in that time as well. So what Chris Middleton is doing, and I think that this has been underrated through the season, we know he's been great overall, over 20 points per game. This last little stretch, 12 of the last 14, he's had uh, more than uh, 20 points in 12 of those uh, 14 games. But the way that the Bucs have been able to put teams away oftentimes extend their lead without Giannis on the floor has been critical to their success because this was always something that if you're watching the Bucs play, you would be concerned about how those non-Giannis minutes go. Certainly even last year with the Bucs team that won 60 games, there were certainly stretches where you're like, well, okay, I know Bud's keeping Giannis minutes down, but the non-Giannis minutes are sometimes a concern. And as much as we've spoke about the bench units that Bud goes to and how stringent he is with his rotations and Giannis, you know, he likes to get him as much rest as possible. He doesn't really waver from his normal rotation. Chris Milton has played like a, a genuine number one when Giannis has been off the floor. And obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Generally, when Giannis is off the floor, uh, maybe the opposition star may be on the bench as well. So, I mean, there's there's a bunch of factors you need to take into account here but when we always talk about Chris Middleton being a number two, playing next to Giannis, how good of a fit he is uh, next to him, you know, don't have a look what Middleton has done when he's been the guy on the floor. Because I, I said it a bunch of times, I think that his ball handling has improved. We know that the leash has gotten bigger in terms of the shots that he can take. Bud's letting him go and just saying, okay, I understand you're a really damn good scorer. Get to your spots. Get to the mid-range. Post up. Shoot those turnarounds. Shoot the transition threes, the pull-ups that we know he shoots so well. Milton is just taking whatever shots come to him and hitting them at a high clip. So uh, th- this development of him becoming a really, really dominant player when he's the lead guy and Giannis is on the bench is he- huge for the Bucs and it's going to be huge in the playoffs when uh, you know, the Bucs aren't playing teams like New Orleans, Atlanta, Orlando, Washington, and Sacramento. They're playing really good teams. So Milton playing at that level is going to be big. The other one to, talk, to uh, talk about here is Eric Bledsoe. Now, two of those games, uh, Bledsoe did not play. As I mentioned, he didn't play against Atlanta, and he also didn't play against Orlando uh, with that uh, leg fracture that kept him out for uh, that two, two and a half weeks towards the end of December. But against New Orleans, Bledsoe had 29 points and six assists. Against Washington, Bledsoe had 34 points and 10 assists. And then last night against Sacramento, he had 28 points and eight assists. So, yes, again, I understand, take into account the quality of of the opposition, but Eric Bledsoe is stepping up when he has the opportunity to do so. And we like to give Bledsoe some positive attention here on the podcast because we know oftentimes over the past few years with Bledsoe, it hasn't always been the case for him. So uh, I want to get to a break here but when we come back, I want to look at the standings and I want to start ticking off teams that I think a Bucs team led by Middleton, Bledsoe, and Lopez. Who would they beat? Who are the sure things that they would beat? And, and where would this team finish in the playoffs? All right, so as we are working through this and starting to look at where we think this Bucks team could potentially finish if they didn't have Giannis on the roster, the other guy that we, we've already spoken about, Milton, we spoke about Bledsoe, we haven't really spoken about Brook Lopez yet. We've seen what he did last night against Sacramento, a 20-point game, 2 for 4 from 3, but also what he did in, on the inside and really dominated them with his size, even though he was only kept to 25 minutes as the Kings went super small, but Brook Lopez on the season, Averaging ten point six points per game, clearly the three point shot has been the talking point throughout the season. Right now, as it stands, twenty nine point seven percent from deep uh, on four point seven attempts from three on the season. So, uh, over the last two games, now Brook Lopez is seven for nine from three. So we hope that this is like the the turning point for him. Obviously, the three point shot and the struggles he's had has affected his numbers. When you look at him across the course of his career, this is the lowest points per game total that he's had. Even last year, he was up at 12.5. The year before, the Lakers 13. And then the year before, that was with the Nets when he was a consistent 20-point guy, 20.5 points per game his last season with the Nets in 2017. So, look, these numbers are, are, are really down for him. It's also important to note that he's only playing 26.7 minutes per game, down from 28.7 a year ago. The interesting thing when you look at the... The, the shot distribution for Brook Lopez. we will spoken about this a little bit. The Bucks are trying some different things. We've seen Lopez go in the post a little bit more. Last year, Brook was averaging 6.3 three-point attempts per game, this season down to 4.7. And his two-point attempts have gone up from 3.4 to 4.5. So they're definitely using him in different ways. Interestingly enough, he's never a guy that really feels like he's at the free-throw line a lot. He's shooting 82 point, 82.7% from the free-throw line this season. Uh, only getting 1.6 attempts per game. A lot of that is because he does spend time out on the perimeter. But when we talk about Bledsoe, Middleton, Lopez, that's still a pretty damn good top three. If you're talking about a potential playoff team and your best three players are Chris Middleton, Brook Lopez, Eric Bledsoe, particularly in the East, I think you're feeling pretty good about making the playoffs. And after I go through this, you can disagree with me. Let me know what you think the ceiling would be for this Bucs team. You can get us at, at Locked on Bucks, myself at Kane Pittman or Frank at F Madden NBA. And give us a win total and a ceiling, whether it's first round, second round, conference finals, wherever you think this team would fit. But when I look at the standings in the East, let's not even bother with some of these teams. So let's go through and cross off who we know the Bucks would handle. So I've got Cleveland, Atlanta, the New York Knicks, Charlotte Hornets, Detroit Pistons, Chicago Bulls, Washington Wizards, Orlando Magic, and Brooklyn Nets. I would take the Bucs in a seven-game series against any of those teams. Now, Brooklyn obviously changes next season. I mean, if they're fully healthy, so if they have Kevin Durant, then yeah, sure. That changes things. There's no question about that. But as it currently stands with Kevin Durant out, I would still take the Bucks in a seven-game series against any of those teams. Without Giannis. So the starting lineup probably, I know we saw Ersan and his start last night. Who would I start? I would probably, now we have Marvin Williams. Maybe I would start Marvin Williams. At times, you could probably certainly go smaller and go Middleton. Uh, you can slide up Wes Matthews, who defensively, I mean, we know. I mean, he's, he's been a guy that's defended Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, even Al Horford against the Sixers. So defensively, I think you're fine. If you wanted to go Lopez, Middleton, Wes Matthews, DiVincenzo, Bledsoe, I think you can get away with that. But you're probably starting Marvin Williams, I would, I would, I would think. So if you're going for, with the five of Lopez, Williams, Milton, Wes Matthews, Eric Bledsoe, as I said, I think that's a team that is, is easily the seventh seed right now. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets are 24 and 28 in the seventh seed. Now, we know Kyrie Evans missed a bunch of games, but I'm confident this Bucs team's over 500. So the next team we look at is the Indiana Pacers, who the Bucs are going to see tomorrow night. And funnily enough, Maybe they will see them without Giannis. We don't know whether Giannis is going to play. If I had to put money on it, I would say he probably wouldn't. We're game out before the All-Star break. It's a trip to Indiana. The team's about to get on their flight now as I speak, actually, and go there at... They're uh, leaving at around 5 p.m. on Tuesday night. So, I just don't know whether Giannis needs to go on a trip for two days to, to Indiana to play this game. Maybe if the Bucs lost last night, he would be desperate to play. But I, I think this... You could probably guess that Giannis will sit this one out. I might be wrong. We know he's a competitor. We know he's probably desperate to play, but there are some things that are a little more important than a, than a game of basketball. So maybe we'll see this matchup tomorrow night, but the paces would be really interesting. This is a team now that is really struggling. We're going to look at them in just a few minutes here. But then the top, the other four teams in the East is where it gets interesting. Toronto, Boston, Miami, Philadelphia. Without Giannis, they would be really difficult. But the point of this really is to just look at this team and I've had a bunch of people asking, including Dave who sent this question in, is do I think this te- Bucks team would be a playoff team? Yeah. I think, they'd be a, I think they'd probably be a six seed. The Pacers right now are on pace to win high 40s, 47, 48 games. I think the Bucks team would win at least 45. Probably between 45 to 50. I think the problem is that when you take someone else out like Giannis, we've seen these other guys step up, Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, and, and Brooke Lopez at times, and all the other guys, the depth pieces that they have with Dante, uh, George Hill, obviously has been huge, uh, Pat Connaughton, and all these guys. But you lose the consistency of the, of the inside, the paint dominance of Giannis, which oftentimes allows the Bucks to overcome bad shooting nights from three, and we've seen that. The Bucs have won games where they haven't necessarily shot well from three because Giannis gets you twenty points in the paint, <laughs> and you end up winning that battle at fifty to thirty or or whatever it may be. So, look, I think defensively the Bucks team would be fine. I think that's where the problem would be. If you have an off night shooting, can you dominate the inside uh, like you have without Giannis? Probably not, and that would lead to losing some games right now that the Bucks just are not losing. But I've still got to answer this question: the Bucks would have forty-five to fifty wins. And they'd definitely be a playoff seed, at least a seven seed. They'd be better than the Brooklyn Nets. The Pacers, you know, would be interesting. This is a team that obviously has had some injuries. They're just getting Oladipo back. Maybe if he was uh, fully healthy and fully integrated back into the system, the Pacers would, would handle the Bucks. I'm not sure. But I just think it's remarkable to think about when you look at this team, those top three players, again, if they're your best three players uh, at the start of the season, you're thinking you're going to be a playoff team. And uh, that's, that's the remarkable situation the Bucks are in. And, and kind of the crazy situation as to why uh, they only have two All-Stars with Giannis and Chris, because uh, we've seen at times, like I mentioned, those games of Bledsoe, 29 points, 34 points, 28 points. Probably an All-Star if he's playing elsewhere with a bigger role. It's, uh, you know, these guys really sacrificing a lot to be a part of a, a really special group. But as I said... Let me know what you think. If you think I'm I'm overrating this team without Giannis, I also don't want to underrate the impact that Giannis has. Let me make that clear. But for mine again, Bucks around 45 to 50 wins, definitely a playoff team in the East. So, uh, Dave, sorry for making you wait for that one, but we uh, we eventually got there. Okay, so Wednesday nights in Indiana, last game before the All Star break, the Bucks 46 and seven will see the Indiana Pacers, 31 and 23, and the Pacers are a really interesting team right now. Don't forget this game will be on ESPN, by the way, 6.30 Central Time tip in Indiana. But The Pacers have lost six games in a row, and it's really interesting because they got Victor Oladipo back. Uh, They won the first game that Oladipo played against Chicago. They won that game by nine points. But they've lost their last six. Now, he's played in five of those. But the offense has been the offense has been dreadful since Oladipo came back. And there's a number of factors as to why that might have been the case. But uh, over those six games, over the losing streak, the Pacers ranked 25th in offense with a 108.2 offensive rating. And defensively, uh, they're not a whole lot better. They ranked 17 with a 114 defensive rating. And just for reference, over the last six games, the Bucks 100.5 defensive rating clearly Number one in the league, ahead of the Memphis Grizzlies in second, one hundred four point seven. And offensively, the the Bucks, uh, you know, interestingly enough, it, it's kind of funny to say this. Over the last six games, the Bucks nineteenth uh, in offense, one hundred nine point six. We know they've had some scrappy games. We we looked back and said, well, it was a short little two minute burst that won the game. Uh, and defensively, their dominance is allowing them to win games, and that's a nice little indication of that uh, with that stat right there. But the paces we always want to talk about Malcolm Brogdon and I certainly understand why. It's funny when you look at his numbers now over the course of the season, he's only averaging one point per game now more than he did last year with the Bucs. And it's kind of remarkable because when we think back to the first two weeks of the season, all the talk was Malcolm Brogdon and people, you know, I just think that people wanted the Bucs to be wrong. I'm not saying Bucs fans. I'm saying the the media, the national media, because The initial reaction to the Brogdon sign and trade was that the Bucks made a mistake or the Bucks were cheap and didn't want to go into the luxury tax. And that was seen as a losing move when you have a guy like Giannis you're trying to uh, sign this summer. It felt to me that people just wanted the Bucks to be wrong. So they were hoping that Malcolm Brogdon would be the guy that the Bucks would look back and really regret not signing. But when you look at Brogdon's numbers right now, over this last six games, the uh, the losing streak for the Pacers is averaging only 14.2 points per game, but the shooting numbers are really ugly. 40% from the field, 26% from three, and even for him, 81% from the free throw line. Really, really strange. He's just having a tough time of it. And this has coincided with Oladipo coming back into the lineup. His numbers have been trending down outside of that that first two weeks. On the season, he's only shooting 32% from three, this is this shouldn't come as a big surprise. You're talking about a guy last year that with Milwaukee was arguably in the most optimized role for his skill set that he could have possibly been in as a fourth or fifth option. And he's a great player. And I don't want Malcolm Brogdon to play bad. I know that there's naturally some feelings of, I don't want to say ill will for him personally, but Bucks fans get some enjoyment out of him playing bad. I don't get enjoyment out of him playing bad. I'm just not surprised that we've seen this type of trend with his numbers. Brogdon's a very, very good player. Don't get me wrong. But if you put him in this role, he's playing more minutes than he's ever played in the NBA. His usage has skyrocketed, obviously. And now he's got this role change in the middle of the season with Lola Depot coming back. He's getting some different looks. Early in the season, he was really rolling in the pick and roll with uh, Sabonis. Now just everything is mixed up a little bit. The shots he's been taking have been more contested. They've been more difficult. That's why you've seen the three-point shot come down. So none of this should be really surprising. And then on top of that, he's missed a bunch of games with injury, which we know would have been the primary concern. So when I look at, I, I said this at the start of the season, you shouldn't be looking at Michael Brogdon's numbers and, and saying justifying that's why the Bucks are correct because he's in a different role. And if Brogdon was still playing in that fifth starter's role for the Bucs, his efficiency probably up. His numbers are probably looking great. You're worried about his health, but his statistics are probably a lot better than they are in Indiana because he's in that optimized role that I spoke about. So it's going to be really interesting to see him play tomorrow night. Uh, Oladipo himself uh, has been working, uh, trying to work back into the team. It's been a little bit of a rough start for him. The last three games that he's played, he's been in double digits, 13 points against Toronto, uh, then 15 against Toronto. They played a, a home and home there. And then he had 12 against Brooklyn last night. But uh, look, he's struggling to shoot a little bit from the field. Five for fourteen last night against Brooklyn in a game where the Pacers lost uh, late, and they've they've really blown some games. I mean, we look at the the six-game losing streak, all by single digits: seven points, nine points, one point, nine points, seven points, one point. So they've been thereabouts. They just haven't been able to break through and and get that game-winning shot. And Brogdon himself has been on the on the bad end of a couple of turnovers, a couple of missed shots. So. Look, the paces are close. They're always a tough team. We've seen them, the Bucs, uh, not struggle against them in the past, but certainly at the Fieldhouse last year in that first game, uh, they had a little bit of an off night. And the interesting thing to note is that this game before, uh, around this time, which was just before the All-Star break last year as well, uh, the Bucks bounced back and picked up a win after the loss that they had in December last season. So they were able to to work through again, Not a, not a... A great performance, but it's going to be tough. If Giannis isn't there tomorrow night, this is one of those matchups that uh, could prove difficult. Again, if the Bucs aren't shooting the three well, can they score in the paint? Is Brook Lopez going to be a factor against this uh, Indiana roster that we know with Turner and Sabonis? They've got some talented big guys. So, uh, you know, a bunch of things to watch. Obviously, all the intrigue is going to be around Malcolm Brogdon and how he plays uh, against the Bucs and then of course keep an eye on whether Giannis will play. Uh, we'll be at shoot around tomorrow morning. We'll probably know by then whether Giannis is with the team or not so keep an eye out for uh, any news there from Bucks Twitter, my Twitter. Uh, we'll keep everyone updated but I've got to go and pack. I've got to go and get my stuff together and get ready to go on the road trip. Get some Broncos pizza. Shout out to Danny Smith's by the way. The guy that does our intro. The fantastic intro. He said that he was driving through and he was considering stopping. I look forward to hearing uh, whether he did stop and whether he enjoyed Bronco's pizza. But for now, I think we're going to leave it there because like I said, I've been doing radio all day. I've been talking way too much and I need to have a rest from talking. But like I said, we will be back after the Pacers game. Frank will be somewhere out in the ocean. I don't know what he'll be doing. I haven't been on a cruise. I went on a cruise when I was younger. I went on, on a couple of cruises and, they're always a good time, but he's got, he's got kids. It was probably a different experience to what I had when I was on the cruise. But hopefully, uh, he's having a good time. We're going to have a guest with us after that Pacers game. The Bucs looking to head into the All-Star break on a winning note and pick up win number 47 against the Central Division rivals, the Indiana Pacers. Remember to send us your feedback. I always say this, particularly when I'm by myself. Send us some feedback. Anything you want to hear from the podcast, anything you want us to do better, get us on Twitter at Bucks at Kane Pittman, at FMed NBA. But for now, for myself, Kane Pittman, and Frank Madden sailing the seas, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.